reading of the word of God today. In Isaiah 9 verse 10. The bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with hewn or cut stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we share this message today, we trust that you'll anoint me to say what it is that you would want said and that you'd anoint the ears of the people to hear what it is the Spirit of God is saying to all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Titling this today, Remembering 9-11. Remembering 9-11. I remember where I was the morning. I remember exactly what I was doing. I remember I was thinking to myself, there was, you know, I was thinking there's not much been going on in the news lately. That was the thought that I had. And then Diane hollered up the stair stairway up into the bedroom and she said turn the television on and I did and I saw the burned out uh, hull of that first tower that had been struck where the plane had just gone in and the tower was smoking and all and uh, so I remember that I suppose most of you would remember where you were what you were doing uh I want to pay total respect to all of the victims who lost their lives that day and to their family members and loved ones, of course, and many are still dying from that, you know, things they inhaled the, the, from the falling buildings and all of that, and a lot of people suffered. It's a very sad time. But what I want to do today is I want to look at the parallels between what happened around the events of 9-11 and what happened to ancient Israel some 2,500 years ago. And what I share today comes from uh, Jonathan Kahn. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He is a a rabbi, a messianic Jew. He he, He loves the Lord Jesus. He has believed upon Jesus and trust in him. And he wrote a book some time ago. The Lord gave him a revelation concerning 9-11. And I happen to believe that it's what the Spirit of God is saying. And uh, uh, this man is is been sent from the Lord. I, I don't say that about too many preachers that I've watched on television. But this man has been sent from God. Jonathan Kahn, God has had him in the halls of Congress uh, saying what the Spirit of God wants him to say to the politicians over the last many years. And so we need to listen to the revelation that God has given this man. You might say, well, what is a harbinger? A harbinger is a sign or a warning of something to come. It's like a robin is the harbinger of spring. When you hear a robin singing outside, you know, after the winter has 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 waned, then you think, well, spring is at hand. And so a harbinger is simply a a warning of something to come. And a harbinger in this message is just a warning sign of of something to come. 
And, and, and it will have to do with the impending judgment of God. And you'll see that as we go. I want to tell you something about God. God does not like judging people. He doesn't like to do it. God is a good God. He is a merciful God. It does not excite him to, to judge people. He doesn't want to do it. He pushes it off. The Bible says he's long suffering and he pushes it off as far as he can. But because he is a righteous and just God, at some point he must judge. The Bible also says if we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. And see what God wants is, is he wants us to repent when we've done wrong. He just wants us to repent. And, and he'll do everything that he possibly can to, to get us to repent so he doesn't have to judge us. And that, that's what God has been doing to this nation. He's, he's been doing everything that he knows to do to point out that this nation needs to repent so that he doesn't have to judge her on a, on a large, massive scale. But if the nation doesn't repent, eventually he'll have to do that. And that's what this message has to do with. A harbinger is a warning sign of God's impending judgment and a call to national repentance. Some 2,500 years ago, Israel had several harbingers that appeared approximately 10 years before God ultimately judged her and wiped her off the map. Would God do that to his people? Yes. He doesn't want to. Breaks his heart. He'll do everything that he can to get his people to repent. But if they won't, then ultimately judgment will come. And I want to say this again. Some 2,500 years ago, Israel had several harbingers that appeared approximately 10 years before God ultimately judged her and wiped her off the map. One of the uh, attitudes that Israel had was that God would never do that to us. But he did. God shook Israel, warned her again and again, but she would not repent. He sent prophet after prophet. And they would not listen. Sign after sign and they would not listen. And eventually God removed her from the scene. Israel and America are the only two nations founded from their inception upon Almighty God and dedicated to Him. Both Israel and America, in the process of time, turned away from God and His Word. And if you're not aware of that, you need to be that this nation, America, has turned as a whole now, has turned away from the Lord. You need to realize that if you don't. God sent prophets to Israel, warning them to turn from their sins and come back to him. There were also false prophets in Israel who cried out to the people and told them that everything is fine. Ignoring their sinful practices. And we have preachers on the airwaves today doing the exact same thing. Crying out, blessing, everything's fine, everything's wonderful. Blessing, blessing, blessing. People pack those churches wall to wall, multiple campuses, multiple services to hear that everything is fine. You can't kill as many babies as this nation is killed in the abortion clinics and say everything is fine. No nation is great that does that. 
No nation is great that accepts homosexuality and same-sex marriage. It's against the word of God. And I have nothing but compassion for homosexuals. I love them with all of my heart. And I don't bash anyone. God doesn't bash anyone. But you can't do that and proclaim the blessing of God. And you saw that going on in Israel. And you see that today. Preachers preaching. Everything's fine. Everything's wonderful. And people packing those places to hear the message. That will ultimately doom their soul to hell. Isn't that sad? In Israel, now listen to this, eventually, and, and I wouldn't have known any of this except Jonathan Kahn. I got this from, from him and God gave this revelation to him of what happened. Listen to this. Eventually, and how it parallels with what we see going on here in the United States since 9-11. Eventually, God momentarily lifted his hedge of protection from Israel and allowed Assyria to strike them. It was a limited strike affecting their temple mount. Their temple mount, remember that. Yet it was contained and then there was a time or space for repentance. This was to get Israel's attention. The prophets preached, they wouldn't listen, so God lifted his hedge of protection and the Assyrians struck their temple mount, and it was to wake them up to get them to repent and turn back to God. But rather than repenting and turning back to God, you know what they said? They said this. They said, the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with stones. Cut stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. We read that as our opening text in Isaiah 9:10. And they said all of that without an attitude of repentance. Their attitude was, well, the Assyrians have struck us, so the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild. There was a spirit of defiance. We will rebuild with cut stone. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with Cedars. But there was no repentance in ancient Israel. And so, as I said, and I want to say it again, there's some amazing parallels between ancient Israel and America along these lines. Which, which Jonathan Kahn points out, and I want to mention them. For years and years prior to 9-11, God sent his ministers to America calling her back to him. Yet America would not listen and still hasn't. But preceding 9-11, God was warning and warning and few, if any, were listening. And so on 9-11, we had a harbinger. I believe, this is my opinion, I believe that on 9-11, God lifted his hedge of protection from America, just like he did with ancient Israel, and allowed the enemy to make a limited strike. It was contained to New York and Washington. But it definitely got America's attention. Now let me be clear. God did not send the hijackers. Can anybody say amen? But I believe he lifted his hedge of protection. And... 
there was a strike made against us. And it's interesting if you study it out, the Assyrians that that struck ancient Israel, if you look at those hijackers on 9-11, they can be traced back, their lineage can be traced back to the Assyrians, the same people that struck Israel. And then the second harbinger happened on 9-12-2001 when Senate Majority Leader Tom Daschle declared from the Senate floor in America's response to 9-11. And here's what he said. He said, the bricks have fallen down of all the scriptures. And here's a man who, to my knowledge, doesn't know God, doesn't know the Bible. But of all the scriptures he could have picked, guess which one he picked? Isaiah 9.10, the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with hewn or cut stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. It's incredible, isn't it? And again, it was with an attitude void of repentance. More of a defiant spirit about it. And then on the third anniversary of 9-11, John Edwards, then a vice presidential candidate, delivered a speech using this scripture, Isaiah 9-10, building his entire theme around it without even knowing what he was doing. And then President Obama's first address to Congress had as its main point, we will rebuild But again, void of that attitude of repentance. And then the next harbinger is this sycamore tree. It's interesting. They said that, you know, the sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. You need to realize this. The Assyrians in ancient Israel cut down the sycamores. Sycamores being cut down or uprooted is a sign of national judgment by God. This is what happened at Ground Zero in New York. When the last of the World Trade Buildings came down, there was a beam that struck a nearby sycamore tree and uprooted it. Tom Daschle did not know when he made his speech on 9-12 that a sycamore had fallen on 9-11. He knew the towers had fallen, but not a sycamore. Two years later, that sycamore tree was ceremoniously, with great ceremony, replaced with the exact same type of cedar tree Israel used. And it was called the tree of hope. The tree of hope. And for 11 years, this tree of hope, remember a sycamore went down on 9-11... It was replaced with a cedar, same kind of tree they used in Israel, called the Tree of Hope. And for 11 years, this Tree of Hope, a cedar tree, which will grow almost anywhere in any kind of soil, this Tree of Hope would not take root. There at ground zero. Despite the best efforts... To make it flourish, replacing the soil, doing everything that they could. For 11 years, it would not flourish. It withered and finally was unceremoniously uprooted and disposed of in mid-April 2014. 
Think about that. And then we talked about, the Bible talked about cut stone, hewn stone. Another harbinger, there was a 20 ton stone quarried or cut or hewn from the mountains of New York that was brought to ground zero where the bricks had fallen. And it was placed for a foundation of rebuilding. He used it as a foundation of rebuilding that next tower that sits there now. It's called the Stone of Freedom. The governor of New York proclaimed in a ceremony as the stone was being laid, saying, We are heirs of the spirit of defiance as we lay this stone at ground zero. Again, no, no repentance. And all the time, it's not a stone of freedom, but rather a stone of the impending coming national judgment upon America if she does not repent. And then, perhaps the most striking of all the harbingers is this one. And it's judgment returning to the ground of consecration. When Solomon's temple was finished, some 2,500 years ago, Solomon dedicated the temple and Israel to God. Prayers were offered and Israel was warned what would happen if they ever left God. When the Assyrians attacked Israel in that initial Limited, contained strike. And remember there on 9-11, it was, it was a contained strike to New York and Washington. It wasn't a national. But when the Assyrians attacked in that initial contained strike, they hit the Temple Mount. The place where Israel had been dedicated to God. Israel's leaders said in defiance, Isaiah 9.10, the bricks have fallen, but we will rebuild with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace with cedars. That's where Isaiah 9 and 10 came from. And God continued then after that to warn Israel. And 10 years after this initial strike, there was no national repentance and God wiped Israel off the map. On the first day... That America existed as a fully functioning nation the day George Washington was sworn in as president, April 30, 1789. He, like Solomon in Israel, warned America what would happen if she ever stopped serving God. In his inaugural address, President, president Washington said, We ought to be no less persuaded that the proprietous smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself has ordained. In other words, he said, if America ever stops serving God, heaven will no longer smile on her. After this speech, the very first act George Washington with other governmental representatives did as a fully functioning government was go on foot to a small stone chapel known as St. Peter's Chapel. I'm sorry, St. Paul's Chapel. St. Paul's Chapel. It was St. Paul's Chapel. And for two hours, pray and dedicate America to Almighty God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? After this speech, the very first act George Washington with other governmental representatives did as a fully functioning government was to go on foot to a small stone chapel, 
St. Paul's Chapel and for two hours pray and dedicate America to Almighty God and His Son, Jesus Christ. You You need to remember that. This little stone chapel is not in Philadelphia. It's not in Washington, D.C., but it is in New York City in lower Manhattan at the corner of Ground Zero. The Twin Towers were built, the Twin Towers that fell on 9-11, they were built on the land that was once owned by St. Paul's Chapel. Judgment returned just as in Israel, judgment returned to the ground of consecration. It happened in Israel and it happened on 9-11. You need to be aware of that. Judgment returned to the ground of consecration and dedication. On 9-11 there was only one building at ground zero that was left unscathed. And it was this little stone chapel that George Washington prayed in. It was deemed a miracle, and it was a miracle. In fact, a shockwave went out from ground zero on 9-11 and cracked the foundation of the Federal Hall where George Washington gave his inaugural address. Yet this little church on the corner there was not damaged. And actually, the sycamore tree protected and saved the church from destruction. So this is not a message today of gloom and doom as some might think. But rather to say that these harbingers are warnings that God's judgment is pending upon America. But if we have national repentance, God's judgment can be stayed or stopped. And America, like St. Paul's Chapel, can be spared. Can you say amen? Pretty awesome, isn't it? I wouldn't have seen that. I wouldn't have known that. But Jonathan Kahn, God gave that to him and showed him that very miraculously. I like this man because he doesn't go around promoting himself. He's not braggadocious. He's very humble. He, he's sent from God. And we should pay attention. Now, having said that, in 1950... Kenneth E. Hagan, who, who was one of the foremost, if not the foremost, prophet of our day, a man of God who I have nothing but respect for, a man of God. Anybody familiar with Brother Hagan? Solid man of God. And I followed his ministry for years and a true prophet of God. And in 1950, that's a long time ago, wasn't it? That's a long time before 9-11. Got to listen real close to this. In 1950, Kenneth Hagin had a vision from God. Now, if you don't want to believe it, that's your business. But he's got an excellent track record of hearing from the Lord. And he had a vision from God in 1950, and in part, in part now, concerning America... It's recorded in his book, I Believe in Visions, which was published in 1989. 
And I got a copy of the book in 1989. So it's, it's not been doctored. It's, it's and in the vision about America, he saw the skyline of a large city. This is 1950. The book was printed in 89, but in 1950, he saw the skyline of a large city with skyscrapers as burned out hulls and portions of the city lying in ruins. Didn't we see that on 9-11? I'm going to say that again. He saw the skyline of a large city with skyscrapers as burned out hulls. And portions of the city lying in ruins. And the Lord said to him, America is receiving her last warning and last call to repentance. Now, when he received that in 1950, you might have interpreted that as, well, America was receiving her last call in 1950. But if you look at 1950, you didn't have skyscrapers necessarily. And certainly none as burned out hulls. When did we see the skyscrapers with burned out hulls? Anybody know? When, when was it? And I believe on 9-11 America received her last call from God to repent. I remember the atmosphere that... Day after 9-11 on 9-12, which was a Wednesday. 9-11 was on a Tuesday. My birthday was on a Monday. 9-11 was on a Tuesday. And I remember 9-12 on a Wednesday. The evening service. And you never have as many people in the evening as you have in the morning, or on Sunday morning. You never have as many midweek, typically. Most churches don't have as many people show up midweek as you do on Sunday morning. I remember this church was almost packed to capacity that Wednesday night. And that was a good thing. I was happy to see that. We had the senators and the congressmen on the steps of the Capitol singing God Bless America. And that was a good thing. I was interviewed on a morning Christian talk show. Just a week or so, I suppose, after 9-11. And I remember the interviewer right here in St. Louis asked me if I've seen attendance peak or spike. And I said, yes, I, I had. And he wanted to know what I thought about that. And I said, I thought it was a good thing that people are, looks like they're turning to God finally. And I told him, I said, the only concern that I have is will it still be that way three months from now or six months from now? And three months from then, six months from then, you see the congressmen and the senators fighting and going on just like before. You see the people, church people, going back to their whatever it is they do. You see the sinners coming just because they're shaken, but then they they don't get saved and they go right back to doing whatever it is they do. And that's not repentance, dear friends. So where is America? 
Where is America right now? America, listen to me, is in that time talked about in the book of Revelation concerning a woman there known as Jezebel. And Jesus said to the Apostle John, I gave her time to repent. America has been given time to repent. Israel was given 10 years to repent. America now has been given 15 years and counting. Has she repented? The answer is no. In fact, America has gone the other way. In this time, in the last 15 years, the United States has legalized same-sex marriages, desecrating God's order for marriage, and has desecrated God's rainbow, using it to represent homosexuality and displaying it on the White House and the tower that replaced the Twin Towers. And dear friends, that is dangerous. I said it's dangerous. God pays real close attention to what political leaders do. Particularly in this nation because the political leaders are put there at our hand. Did you hear me? I said political leaders are put there at our hand, at our vote. And when President Obama shot those colors up on the White House, I remember I was exercising and I saw it come on television and I, and, and, and I just cried out at Diane. I said, my God, somebody needs to call the White House and tell him to get those colors off of there. That's dangerous. I said, it's dangerous. And then you see God pays close attention to towers also. You study your Bible, you'll see it. And on the twin, t on that, that replacement of the Twin Towers, they shot the, the rainbow up there too. On the day that same-sex marriage was legalized. The evening thereof. Dear friends, that's dangerous. I said it's dangerous. And whenever I say stuff like that, there's people out there that... Right away, think that I'm, ba I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a basher. I'm a basher. I'm bashing. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. What does that say? I didn't write this. And this Bible says that God loves people. But this Bible also talks about the ways of the Lord are right and just and true. And homosexuality, God, now I, I didn't, he did, he said that it's wrong. He said it. Are we accepting of, listen, I wish that this church would be absolutely filled with homosexuals every Sunday morning. I want them welcomed, I love them, God loves them, but I don't want any of them to be comfortable until they repent and get saved. Just like you, if you're a gossip, 
I don't want you to be comfortable in this church until you repent and quit gossiping. Did you hear me? Or if you're having an affair on your wife or your husband, I don't want you to be comfortable until you get that straightened out. Repent. Just like if there's something wrong in my life. I don't want to be comfortable until I repent and get it right. Did you hear me? I didn't write this. God did. And God, as I said a while ago, he doesn't want to judge. He's a good God. He doesn't want to do that. But if, if, you, keep, if you keep continuing in sin, eventually the Bible talks about the goodness and the severity of God. And if you keep pushing away his goodness and push it away and push it away and push it away and continue in sin, then he has no other alternative but to judge. And believe me, you don't want any, any part of the judgment of God. And I believe he judges with tears in his eyes. Jonathan Kahn said, America is in dangerous times and in need of national repentance. And I agree. I personally ask the leader of perhaps the largest Christian television ministry in the world. I asked him, I said, what is the future for America, in your opinion, if she does not change her course and repent? And he answered without a moment's hesitation and said, America is doomed. Is that, is that what God wants? No, he wants America to repent. Listen to me, dear friends. Unless there is national repentance like in Nineveh, Remember in Nineveh when Jonah went in there and preached? God is so good. He wants people to repent. Do you know why? Do you know why God had that all happen where Jonah went into the fish? Do you know why that all happened? Nineveh was an evil, evil place. Uh, it was a place that, 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 that even the most liberal people in the United States would have fire and brimstone Nineveh long before God did. Did you hear what I just said? I said, did you hear what I just said? Would you agree that, would you agree that most of the most liberal politicians in this nation would, would have fire and brimstone Adolf Hitler? Yes or no? Yes. Well, Nineveh was every bit as bad as Adolf Hitler and maybe worse. But God didn't fire and brimstone Nineveh. He had Jonah go preach to Nineveh. You can see the goodness of God here. And Jonah, remember, wound up in the belly of a fish. And then the fish spit him out on the ground and all of that. And then Jonah went in and preached and they had national repentance. Do you know why that fish story really took place? Do you know why? Because Nineveh worshipped a god that was half man and half fish. Now, it's not a real god, but they had concocted this god that was half man and half fish. So, they're going to listen to a man that gets spit up out of a fish. Did you hear what I just said? I wondered for years, why would they listen? I mean, he just went in there and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And they repent from the king to the cow all the way. Everybody's listening to Jonah. Why is that? Because you see, God used something that they would listen to. Did you hear me? Isn't God good? Is he wonderful? And he got him to turn. And, and they turned, they repented and God didn't judge him. 
But about a hundred or so years later, they went back to their old ways and then God ultimately did judge them. Destroyed them. But unless there's national repentance in this nation, like what you saw in Nineveh, I believe America is doomed to face the judgment of God. Repentance. Real loud, say repentance. And repentance doesn't just happen in, in word, but it also has to happen in deed. And as I've prayed, as I've sought the Lord, let me ask you a question. How far do you think it would go if I was having an affair on my wife and I was caught in it? Would that be bad, yes or no? That would be bad, wouldn't it? be tragic and then I said honey I'm so sorry and and she forgave me and then a week later I had another affair I said honey I'm so sorry would you forgive me and then let's say she forgave me and then we go another month and then I have another one now some of you are sitting out there and you're saying wow pastor Terry that's crazy why would she why would she for keep forgiving you again and again and again well let me ask you a question Is it just enough that we ask us, is it just enough that we ask God to forgive this nation for abortion, and, but we just keep the clinics open and keep killing people? Little babies? Is that right? Yes or no? You see, listen, dear friends, the intercessors in this nation, the prayers in this nation, have gone before God and they've stood in the gap and they've asked God to forgive this nation. For the sin of murder, aborting little kids, little babies before they're born. And I want to make it clear, I do not believe we should go to abortion clinics and blow them up. Say amen. That's just, no, I'm, not, I'm not for that. But you can, you, the, the intercessors have prayed and asked God to forgive this nation for abortion. But yet we keep right on doing it. Folks, that's not going to fly forever. No more than me having an affair on my wife every six weeks is going to fly. Maybe one, maybe two. I mean, it's horrible as it is. But is it? how long can you go and ask somebody to forgive you? And that you, you, you understand what I'm saying? There's got to be some change behavior. I know God is a forgiving God and he forgives up to 70 times 7 a day and all. I understand it. But we, you know how many millions of babies have been slaughtered in the wombs of their mothers? I, I tell you what, one of the best stories I ever heard was a woman, and if you're here and you've had an abortion, God forgives you, your baby's with the Lord, and, 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 but, but, but all of that, but, but a, a woman had gotten pregnant, and she went into an abortion clinic, and she had a three-year-old child on her arm, and went in there and sat down and said to the person doing the abortions, I want to have an abortion, and the the doctor took the three-year-old kid and said, well, I'll just kill this one. Did that get your attention? You all haven't gone to sleep on me, have you? He said, let me just take your three-year-old. Here, we'll just, we'll just, you keep the one in your womb. I'll just take the three-year-old. We'll slit its throat. Huh? Did that get your attention? And she said, oh my God, you're going to kill my little three-year-old? What are you, you out of your mind? He said, what's the difference? 
He said it would be a lot safer on you if we just kill this one here and then... Did, you, did, that, did that strike you the way it hit me the first time? Can you imagine women in this nation fighting for the right to kill their little babies in the womb? Can you imagine that? That needs to be repented of. Did you hear me? I said that needs to be repented of. And tell this nation, I remember I need to say this, some, some years back I said to a friend of mine, I said, we were talking about the America and all the different nations, and I said to him, I said, his name was Jim, I said, Jim, you know, America is the greatest nation, and I believe, I love America, I, and by the way, I think we ought to be standing when the national anthem is, is sung, and, and I think, that's what I believe, I think we ought to show proper respect to that flag, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all, I pledge allegiance to this nation and this country, how about you? This nation is not perfect, no nation is. But I said to him, I said, America is the greatest nation. And just that quick, he came back, he always called me Terror, T-E-R. He said, Terror, can any nation be great that kills as many little babies as we've killed? And tell this nation, and I'll just be so bold as saying, as a representative of Almighty God, I'm telling you, and this needs to be this this needs to come across every pulpit in this nation until this nation invites real loud say invites invites God the Father God the Son the Lord Jesus and God the Holy Ghost back into the public square and the public school until this nation invites God the Father, the Son, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit back into the public school and the public square. Because he, he, was, he was thrown out back many years ago. And until we invite him back in, until Roe versus Wade is overturned and abortion is outlawed, and until same-sex marriage, that ruling is overturned and outlawed, those things need to happen or you will see in the years ahead, months ahead, years ahead, however long, I don't know. You will see the judgment of God fall on this nation. And it will make 9-11 look like a Sunday school picnic. The intercessors, you know what? I, when I say intercessors, people that pray, they've gone before God and they've stayed His judgment just about as long as they as they can. There may be a little time left, but I'm telling you what. This is a serious message today. I hope you're hearing what it is the Spirit of God is saying. The Holy Ghost just keeps having me say this. I don't want to say it, but this message wouldn't be welcomed in most of the pulpits in St. Louis. I haven't come to make you laugh or entertain you today. And I never do. I come with a message of what God's saying. I do my best. Listen to this. Brother Hagen, when he had that vision in 1950, he went on to say what the Lord told him about America. 
Remember he said he saw the skyline of a large city and skyscrapers, burned out hulls. And the Lord said to him that there would not only be one such city destroyed, burned, and in ruins, but there would be many such cities. That has my attention. But the Lord also said to Brother Hagen that he said this was the last great revival. This nation needs a revival. But not if we don't have national repentance. Because repentance always precedes true revival. We need to pray for this nation, which we have been doing. We need to pray concerning this next election. We need to go out and vote. Now, I would never tell anyone how to vote. That's between you and the Lord. But find out what each of the candidates believe and then line it up with the Bible as close as you can and then vote. As you feel led to the Spirit of God. We need to pray. We need to vote. I'm praying and believing God that any Christian that is not involved in the voting process. That they're not able to sleep right, eat right, drink right. And not able to watch television with any rest until they make a decision to go vote. You know, if the Christians would just rise up and vote, we could vote unrighteousness out of Washington, D.C. We could clean the swamp and we could vote righteousness in. And within less than a generation, we could turn this thing around. But if this nation fails... I know what the Spirit of God has said to me. The blame is going to lay at the doorstep of the church. Not just this church, but every church that proclaims the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? And I want you to turn to this scripture as I close this message but I want you to hang on every word I'm almost done but not just just a little bit more second chronicles 714 it'll be on the screen second chronicles 714 if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I'll, then I'll hear from heaven. And will forgive their sin and heal their land. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven. will forgive their sin and heal their land. Did you, did you read that? See that? 
If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, humble 